and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I am Drew. And we are working overtime this week. Sure. What a way to make a living. It's all taking and no giving. And if you haven't guessed what we're watching yet. We are watching 9 to 5 the musical. Yes, indeed. A good old bit of Dolly Parton. Yeah. It's been a while since we talked about Dolly. Mm-hmm. I think it was Best Little Whorehouse in Texas last April. Yeah. Way too long to go without some Dolly. Yes, indeed. It needs to be like an annual thing. I actively want to go to Dollywood. I think that would be really fun. Oh, absolutely. I think it would be incredible. I am very excited to go see this one live at the New Victoria Theatre in Woking. You have told me some really, really fun things about this because you've seen this one before. Yes. So I saw this when it was... In the West End with nice. Brian Conley cool. and a whole bunch of other people who I can't remember off the top of my head now. But yeah, that that was the UK revival, I believe. Yes. And you've also told me that Act 1 ends with some kind of spectacle towards the boss character getting their comeuppance and there's a nice bit of audience interaction. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the specifics. I know you went in depth, but I can't remember for the life of me. Well, I'll tell you this. My dad really enjoyed this one and that's <laughs> how you know it's going to be a really funny musical. Because your dad enjoys it. Mm-hmm. There's a film. There is a film. The film's not a musical. No. But the film is Dolly Parton's acting debut. Or certainly like it is no. a big Dolly Parton film. It is a big Dolly Parton film, obviously. Did she write the song 9 to 5 especially for the film? Or did the song 9 to 5 exist before the film? Because I feel That's like... a really good question. People, everyone here knows 9 to 5 as a song. Everyone knows it. Even if you don't know who Dolly Parton is, I think you know this song. Right, so no, the song did not exist previous to this. She wrote the song on set because she discovered that the sound of her fake fingernails on a table sounded like a typewriter. So she would tap it out and she wrote the song. Very cool. Forming the beat with her I feel nails. like the song is a bigger deal than the film. Like, I, Well, definitely more people have heard the song. That's what I mean, is more film, people yeah. would know that there's a song than there is a film. But the film's mm-hmm. not a musical, so... She was involved in the film. Yeah. But she was, was she like the producer behind it or did she just really like it so much that she's like, I'm going to take this film that I was in and make it even bigger? Well, so the film came out in the 80s. Yeah. It came out in 1980. And it stars Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton as our three leads. And then Dabney Coleman as the boss guy the like main male character i don't actually know who he is the big boss man no not the character dabney cole no i know i don't know who he is i've i i don't know apparently he was buffalo bill oh he's principal prickly in recess (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that's right there you go most important thing we know him from is his he's principal prickly (laughs) that's really cool I love finding out stuff like that about people. It's when you make those random connections, isn't it? It's very, very cool. Yeah, because now I know exactly what he sounds like. So this is the thing. I'm wondering, 
has Dolly Parton written new music for this? Or is this like a jukebox Dolly Parton musical? This is not a jukebox musical. Okay, so it's not like we're going to hear Jolene, 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 Jolene. No. And I will say that is my least favourite Dolly Parton song. That's a shame. I like that song. Mm. If you want to watch a Dolly Parton jukebox musical, we can watch Dumplin'. But... Like, There's a thing? Cool. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, you don't know, because obviously Dolly Parton is credited for the music and lyrics. Yes. So I wondered how much of that is because, you know, they, she, she's seen what has happened with ABBA and Mamma Mia, or what has happened with Queen and We Were Rock You, or mm-hmm. just generally with Rock of Ages. And she said, I've got a really good back catalogue. Yeah. Because that was quite nice about Christmas in the Square, or on the Square, that... It was new songs yes, that she'd really written was. for it, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, working nine to five, it's Christmas and I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I mean, there was a song that was basically that, wasn't Yeah, there? but it wasn't just like she just, had, just, had, just hadn't reworked nine to five and was just like, mm-hmm. I will give some exposition. Well, so the, the initial idea for the film was Jane Fonda's idea. And because she just started her own production company and she had a friend who started a company or like an association for female office workers called 9to5. Nice. Yeah. And then they all had really good stories and she was talking about them. And she said she'd always been really attracted to films with the three female stars. Yeah. As like an ensemble piece. And she wanted to make that sort of movie. Yeah. And so she brought in... Patricia Resnick, who wrote the first draft as a drama. Yeah. And so Jane Fonda then cast herself Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton, because why not bring your friends in? And then they brought in Colin Higgins to rewrite the script. And his job was to make room for all three of them as like the same weight of character. So it wasn't just one character. It wasn't just... Yeah. And to also make it into a comedy. Because Jane Fonda said that what she found was that secretaries know that the work they do is important and skilled, but they also know that they're never treated with respect. And they call themselves office wives. Yeah. Because they fill up their boss's car and buy presents for his wife and his mistress. Even though they are far more capable and can do so much more. Yeah, so when it came to the rewrite of the film, she said to Colin Higgins, okay, what you need to do is write a screenplay that shows you can run an office without the boss, but you can't run an office without the secretaries. Yeah. Which is... Very cool. I like that. That's a nice idea. It's like they're the heart that pumps the blood around the office body. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, you've got this organ here that does some of the job, but you don't really need it. Yeah. If he didn't come in, we'd be fine. You know? Exactly. The boss is the spleen. (laughs) You can live without a spleen. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) So in 2006, Dolly Parton started working on music for it, just for fun, because why not? And then in 2007, they did a reading of the musical with a week-long workshop, which then got revised about halfway through the workshop. So they were changing things up, which is why you do a workshop, obviously. As we know from Tick, Tick, Boom. (laughs) Yes, indeed. But they had people in the cast at this reading, like... Tracy Ullman, they had Megan Hilty, Stephanie J. Block, Norm Lewis was in this. Like, that's amazing that they had all these big people. Although, I guess if Dolly Parton rang you up and was like, hey, you want to come do a yeah, reading? That, like, you know, yeah. people like, I want to work with Dolly, yes, please. <laughs> Hello, Lame is. I won't be on tonight. I'm working with Dolly Parton this week, mm-hmm. you know? 
So they then had an LA tryout before they would then move to Broadway. Yeah. And in their LA tryout, it was sort of an out of town engagement. Uh, they began previews in September of 2008. And then the official opening night took place on September 20th and then ran through to October for almost a full month. Nice. Won two LA Drama Critics Circle Awards. But <laughs> following that, a lawsuit was filed by Colin Higgins' estate. Because she's working with a script she has no right to work with. Yeah. Yeah. That, see, that's what I was wondering was going to happen. Like, how has she been able to just pick up the license for a film she was a part of? She has no greater deal to it at this mm-hmm. point. Like, there's definitely shenanigans going on there. Yeah. It was all sorted out, obviously, but it was they hadn't secured Higgins' stage rights to the show. Yeah. Because, obviously, you can use certain things it's basically the same problem that anastasia had that was like a big deal on broadway they opened on broadway before they ever secured the rights to anything to do with that movie and i think that's what happened anyway based on the little that i've read about it but yeah so it's all sorted out it all got sorted but quite rightly quite rightly people were like hold on a second this isn't right Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely so 2009, they moved to Broadway at the Marquee Theatre in April. And that's the Beetlejuice Theatre. Yeah. Is it? M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. But that's where that's where Music Man currently is and yeah. Beetlejuice yeah, yeah. was, but mm-hmm. that's the beat. Yeah. We could talk about Music Man for a whole other... <laughs> I mean, you could. I have literally no idea. I could just talk about the controversy around it for a whole episode. It'd be great. Not that we'd ever be invited to see a preview of it, yes. obviously. When they opened, they had Alison Janney, Megan Hilty, and Stephanie J. Block as the lead cast. Now, Alison Janney has done things like Six Degrees of Separation not a lot of things. She just did the Taming of the Shrew. You are not going to know her from her theatre. You are going to know her from things like uh, Finding Dory. <laughs> She's in The Duff. She's in... I've not seen The Duff. I've uh, seen Finding Nemo. She's in Juno. Yep, I've seen 10 Things I Hate About You. Famously, is one of my most favourite films. And she's Prudy Pingleton in Hairspray. Cool. Penny's mum. Yeah. So you definitely know her. Yes. Megan Hilty... I think the only thing you're going to know her from is, you know, in Central World. Yeah. She's the pink one. That's her. But she's also like a huge, not to underappreciate Megan Hilty, she is a huge Broadway musical person. She played Glinda in Wicked. Uh, She was Tony nominated for Noises Off. She's been in loads of things. She, She is in Smash. She's one of the main girls in Smash. And she's amazing. And we are going to watch Smash at some point. But you know. So I'll tell you something fun. Yeah. You know, we, we're near the end of season two of Lost. But at some point, there will be one episode that has Alison Alison Janney in Lost. That's cool. Well, I cannot imagine who she's going to be. One episode. In relation to, yeah. though. Because that's got to be a flashback, right? It, well, maybe. Unless she's another. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I think it's towards the end of the run of Lost because it's 2010, so it's quite towards the end. Yeah. Something for you to hold out hope for, one episode with her in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, so then we have Stephanie J. Block, who is Alphaba, 
in the original tour of Wicked. So a really, really good cast going into this. Yes. On Broadway. Mm-hmm. And once you've seen it, you'll be able to guess who each of those people played. But well, obviously, Alison Jenny is going to be the main role. Yeah. Um, I would assume the one who is Galinda. Yeah. Is going to play the Dolly Parton role. Yes. Yeah. And who is it? Stephanie J. Block. Yeah. Would be our final character, I guess. Our third. Of the <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know the characters. Um, well, that's the thing. You've got like one strong older female character, one Dolly Parton character, and then there's the other girl, <laughs> which is not a good way to describe it, obviously, but because you haven't seen it. Yeah, we'll get yeah, there. We'll get there. Uh, it then had a US tour. So it had four Tony nominations. Yeah. At the 63rd Tony Awards, it was nominated for Best Choreography. It did not win that. <laughs> but he, I'll tell you who choreographed it, who got nominated for the Tony for it. Mm. Andy Blankenbuehler, who also nominated one for In the Heights and Hamilton. Cool. Was also choreographer for the 2016 Cats revival and choreographed the movie Cats. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> That's uh, saying that the choreography in Cats is good. It's just let down by everything else about it. But that, I mean, you know, fun little link there. Mm. It was also nominated for Best Original Score, obviously for Dolly Parton. Yeah. Best Performance by Featured Actor in a Musical for the original actor who played the lead male role. Mark Kudish. Yes. Uh, Finding Neverland as Charles Fryman and Captain Hook. And then also Best Performance by a Leading Actress for Alice and Janney. But you know what was also, what was up for Best Musical that year? Because it didn't get a nomination for Best Musical. Right. I'm just going to tell you this as well. The actor who played the boss, <laughs> this is telling me everything I need to know about this boss character right now. Right. In 1995 to 1997 on Broadway, he played Gaston. That does tell you everything. You need to <laughs> Tells know me everything character. I think I need to know about the boss character. <laughs> And best performance um, by a leading actress in musical, Alison Janney. Yes. So, unfortunately, that year was a uh, a big year for the Broadway musical because for best musical, we had Billy Elliot, Next to Normal, Rock of Ages, and Shrek, and then for revival, Hair, Guys and Dolls, West Side Story, and Pal Joey. So really, so really. Like, this 9 to 5, right? Doesn't stand a chance. Unfortunately. Just because of the nature of the other musicals. And musical adaptations at this time weren't... of movies specifically were not highly favoured. See, this is the thing. I thought this was newer than 2008. Because obviously, mm. I thought this was around the time of Waitress and School of Rock. Because they were both up the same year with Hamilton. Yeah. I thought this would have been... A year after, or maybe a year before, like it was almost the you trend. Think this is way more recent. That, than yeah, it actually e- is. exactly. And this is the thing. Maybe a few years later, it would have stood more of a chance. I don't mm. know. I've not seen it. I can't vouch for the quality of it. But you know, I guess for Dolly Parton just to be nominated for a Tony, you know, That's she's probably happy cool. with that. Yeah. Did you see that she's she's currently up for nomination to be in the Rolling Stones? Or the, the, rock, yeah, yeah. The, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or something. But how is she not really in every Hall of Fame that exists? 
right? No. Because they were run by men. No musical themed Hall of Fame is legitimate unless they <laughs> have Dolly Parton. Like Dolly Parton needs to be in everything. She needs to be in the heavy metal mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. You know, she is just she transcends genre. Yeah. So had a bunch of tours. Yeah. US and UK. Then it settled in the West End from 2019 to 2020. That's probably why I think it's newest because I remember when it would have come out and been like, oh. Mm. And it closed in March of 2020 because of because of the pandemic. pandemic. But it had Amber Davies, Louise Redknapp, uh, Brian Conley, obviously, and Natalie McQueen, but then also Bonnie Langford, which is really cool. Cool. What do you know her from? I don't know. Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, guess who it got to play the lead male character uh, from October until February of 2020? Who? David Hasselhoff. Oh, yes, I remember you telling me that and being like, oh, see... I'm kind of okay with that I didn't see David Hasselhoff. I really enjoyed Brian Conley, but I've seen a bunch of clips of David Hasselhoff and he's funny. And he has, like, kind of on brand, again, if we're going with this misogynistic character, not that he is, but you can see him doing that that kind kind of... of Jekyll and Hyde role. Yeah. Oh, man. That would have been great. He's not on the tour with us, He's is he? He's definitely not on the tour with us. No. So we have Claire Sweeney. Who we thought we were going to see in White Christmas. Yeah. But... Did she leave White Christmas and go to this? Well, I know she was in original like promo material and we, we edited out us talking about her because she was supposed to play the receptionist mm-hmm. in the hotel. But I think she'd joined the 9 to 5 cast at the time. Cool. Uh, we also have Julia J. Nagel, who has been in a bunch of different things, but she is in the filmed version of An American in Paris. She was in The Sound of Music Live, the cool. TV one. I think we watched that together. That's the one that's got um, Bill Myers, the one who plays Vamp- Vampire Bill. Oh, yeah, it does. Sucky. <laughs> it's great. The hills are alive with the sound of sucky. Yeah. She, I mean, she also went to the Royal Ballet School, which is really cool. Um, and then we have Stephanie Chandos, who has only been in a few things. She was in We Will Rock You in Hairspray and then was in 9 to 5 at the Savoy and now is in 9 to 5 on the UK tour, which cool. is really cool nice. that she's done this before. And a... Uh, debut performance by Vivian Panker, who is playing Judy, which is the role Judy that Stephanie. <laughs> Hi, Judy, Judy Denmark. No, she. That's the role that Stephanie J. Block would have played. Okay, yeah, which is really cool. And then we have Sean Needham in the role of the horrible boss, basically. <laughs> and do, would I know him from anything? Um. Yeah, he was in Kinky Boots the musical. The one, the one we watched. The actual one we watched. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He didn't like him. <laughs> was he the Was he the homophobic one that then kind of gained a bit more respect for Lola when he boxed them? Yes, he was Don. Cool. Mm-hmm. I right. So again, and I liked him as Don. I thought he did. Really Don was one of the highlights home. because Don, you expected like. If you want to know my thoughts in more detail about Kinky Boots, you can go back a year ago and listen to that episode, mm-hmm. give or take. Because you ruined it for me. <laughs> my biggest issue with it is when your protagonist 
ends their run more homophobic than like the antagonist who becomes less homophobic you have an issue there and at least with don's character yeah okay he was a man i am man ha 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 you know but he at least learned something you know he he swallowed his pride he he grew as a person and modeled the heck out of the kinky boots yeah because he learned more about the world and that he was wrong than charlie did yeah. yeah but i really liked sean needham as don in that mm-hmm. i think don was the character i said i'd want to play because it's a conflicted character you could have more fun playing it because yeah you're a bad guy but you also get to empower people and be like this is why you're wrong yeah so again right i know exactly what sort of character this boss is going to be yeah is it just these four then? Are they the, the big four characters? And is the rest of it just an ensemble? Not that there's anything wrong with Within that. Within the I mean... ensemble, we're introduced to a couple of different characters as well. We also have a couple of love interests who we talk about, but I think it would be better to talk about them after. as they show up. Yeah, because this is the thing: is I'm, I, I, he's clearly going to be the antagonist here, and you've you've told me you've got your trinity of. Uh, strong female characters. Yeah. You know, so for me, it feels like you've got your three main characters there. Mm -hmm. You've got a strong antagonist in the boss and there's going to be side characters, there's going to be ensemble, but is there anyone else that... And you've mentioned another character. You've given me a a fourth performer, so I I don't know. Um, Because you said there was one who's been in... A range of things. Who was it you said? You said uh, Julia J. Nagel. Yeah. So I don't know what role she's going to play. But she's, you know, quite high ranking. Maybe, I'll tell you what I'm, I think there might be. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some women hating women in this. Usually. You know. Especially for something that's in an office. I yeah. think that is... Unfortunately, kind of true everywhere. Yeah. I definitely think... When when the one who plays Dolly, we, we say is Dolly, mm-hmm. is it Dolly Parton? Is Dolly Parton just basically being herself? I don't want to talk about that until after we've watched it. Right, so I'm going to assume that's a yes. <laughs> so I'm assuming then as well that with that character, there's probably going to be like flirtations like she's gonna she's gonna be the minxy one the one that maybe i don't like that word i'm trying to think of the nicest the best way she's gonna be the one she's a barbie doll okay yeah barbie doll i like that so i feel like she might have the boss's affections right and like it'll be really gross to watch him like hitting on her Mm -hmm. but I, can't, I don't know. Maybe the boss has like another a woman who's on his side. Like maybe he's got a spy, like somebody who's like out to is like in a senior position to the other women and is like getting on and is like, I've worked hard for this and I'm lazy now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let them take this job from me. And ends up because they're lazy, ends up doing more work by being a spy than if they just did their job. Just a you know, and you're like, um... people do that. Oh, I know. It is crazy. But maybe that's what one of these, like, secondary antagonists will be, is this female character who is just, like, trying to hold them down. It's like she's pushing on the glass ceiling. She's like, no, no, don't smash my glass ceiling. It's mine. You know. Sure. What do you think is the plot of this? It's work-based hijinks. 
Yeah. We work nine to five. What a way to make a living. You're going to tumble out of bed, stumble to the kitchen, <laughs> pour yourself a couple of ambition, <laughs> yawn and stretch and try to come to life. <laughs> but was, you were singing that earlier, but you said stumble like four yeah, separate times. Yeah, like stumble time. out of bed and stumble to the kitchen, stumble as I pour a cup of <laughs> yeah. ambition, yawn and That's stretch like, and stumble. You're drunk. <laughs> It's my nine to five, baby. Um, no, I think Stumbling all over obviously the, the way that song implies it is the fact that people don't enjoy their jobs. You know, the, the pour yourself a couple of ambition, try to come to life. You're stumbling. It doesn't paint a happy workforce, does it? No. So I reckon we're going to see three very different women who are struggling with work. They're going to find kindred spirits in this cutthroat world of business and they're going to make the world a better place for you. Sure. And you, and the world will be a better place. So yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. I can't and hear I think, that song and not think of The Flash. I can't hear that song and not think of Bill Murray. Why? Because I think it's in Scrooge. It's how Scrooge oh, yeah, it is. I'm excited for this one. I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of comedy to it, but I also think there's going to be some really nice um, moments punctuated with some very serious social commentary. We talked about it a little bit last week that Victor Victoria is obviously like great, but the fact that, you know, there is still this strive for equality now, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's going to be one of those things that you watch nine to five and it's like, yeah, this is what it's like in the seventies. We've come so far. <laughs> We've barely made a dent, you know? Yeah. So it's going to be one of those that uses that backdrop and has like a really nice social commentary, but also lots and lots of comedy, I hope. Cool. Are you a fan of this one? Is this one you're yeah. excited to see? It's a good time. Yeah? Yeah. Just a good time? It's a really good time. But I don't want to tell you anything because I don't want to spoil it. Fair enough. Well, we will be back. Uh, the bell is sounding, which means it is time to go to work. Yes, unfortunately indeed. for us. Um, I see you've already downed your cup of ambition. For sure. <laughs> I might not go brew another cup of ambition, mm. maybe drop a little something something in it. Definitely. Who knows? But we will be back shortly after the working day ends. After intermission. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition, yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping, out on the street the traffic starts jumping. For folks like me on the job from nine to five, working nine to five. What a way to make a living, barely getting by. It's all taken and no giving. They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. And we are back. Yes, we have had the working day from hell. Usually. You know, I, I feel like we're in a good place going forward. We, we've made some changes. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> Everything is in Memphis style now. Yeah, yeah that is one of my favourite things is like the change over to how bright and everything it looks. It's one of my favourite things just generally. I love Memphis pattern style. 
in the the way of like 90s uh bowling alley carpets yes exactly <laughs> that it's crazy it's my favorite design style i would love to have a like a jumpsuit all in that hat i can see that maybe that's our <laughs> your wedding it. dress Heck yeah. Well, you know, wedding attire, I yeah, should say. I do that. I, I'll tell you what I think right from the get-go is just how magnificent the stage looks. So you've obviously got like this proscenium arch of old computers. Yeah. That goes back a few. And obviously you use them for the lights. That is phenomenal. I think that's very, very cool. It's like with Waitress. With the pies. With the pies. Mm-hmm. And it's like with Frozen, you know, where you have like the proscenium arch is part of it and helps set the scene. It's very, very oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. Yeah, more shows need to do that sort of a thing. A lot of shows do. It's the... I think a lot of shows that... The conflict comes from where like people don't do it because sometimes it does distract from what's happening. Yes. It's got to be used well. Yeah. And I think with... When it's used to suck you into the world that we're in. Yeah. Like, with the way that it's done here, you get the sense that, like... Oh, yeah. Well, if you spend enough time around just rings and rings of computers, you're going to see it everywhere. Yeah. You know? So it's like what their world is. And with Frozen, I think it's good. It doesn't... It's not important as much in Frozen. There's like one moment where it's important. Yeah. You have the nice set piece of like the ice taking over it. Mm. And you have a few hidden Mickeys. You do, yeah. I... Also really like that you got the giant nine to five with like this digital alarm clock, like in the middle. I think that's very, very cool. Well, it's not a digital alarm clock. Well, okay. It's not a digital alarm. What you've got is like a a digital screen on like an old fashioned alarm clock. Now Mm. for me. Literally the first thing you said to me when we went in and I, well, first of all, I was like, you have tick picture. Yep. Which I did. And you can check out Instagram. Yep. And then you were like, oh, it'd be really cool if the hands would move, like if it was an actual like, yeah, if they were counting screen down. and it was counting down. And I was like, I'm not saying anything. Well, it didn't really do much like that, that I noticed. But obviously at the end, it goes to 5 p.m. Like at the end of the show, it's it's hit 5 oh, p.m. Oh, no, but I wasn't saying it because of that. I was saying it because I know that Dolly's about to arrive Yes, on but screen. what I would have had, I guess... You know, in the half an hour that you have from opening up, mm-hmm. you'd have it start... Like, I think a really nice little timer so that the audience know how long they've got. Yeah. I would have had it start at 8.30 and you just notice it tick up until it goes to 9 and the alarm goes, lights go off. For mm. me, that would have been really cool. Um, I would have also had it actually move at the top and you have, like, the alarm going off at the middle. But I understand that as a prop. That's me asking for a lot, you know? Yeah. But the best thing is that the very first thing we see is Dolly Parton. She is, in fact, in this musical. Yes, indeed. She is our narrator. Yep. And she's just herself, Mm -hmm. which I think is absolutely phenomenal. She speaks to us. She welcomes us. She tells us a few jokes. And then she starts singing, tumble out of bed and I snuggle to the kitchen, pouring myself a cup of ambition. And I loved it. It was like, oh, my God, Dolly's actually singing for us. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. As the cast join in. And then you have these really nice breaks as we introduce Violet, Doralee and Judy. Yes. So Violet is, I would say, of of the three main characters. Violet is like the, the main, main character. character. She's what ties the rest of them together. Yes. So she's a single mother with a 
you know, teenage child.、Mm-hmm. She's the lifeblood of this company. She's been there for ages.、Mm-hmm. Maybe doesn't get the respect she deserves because she's a woman. Definitely doesn't get the respect she deserves. But also maybe doesn't get the respect she deserves because she's just seen as part of the furniture now, as opposed to somebody worth investing in. You know, because she's been there fifteen odd years. Yes. We meet Dorothy. I love it when you know Dolly's like, you can guess who she is. Well, you all know who she is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, we do. Nice little tongue in cheek, and she does look very Dolly. And she has dreams of being a country music singer.、Mm-hmm. Her husband is quite good to her. It seems it's not like she works because. You know, yeah, her and her husband have like a "it's us against the world." Kind yeah, of thing I because because the second you get this opening image of her and the husband, I'm like, oh, is this going to be, you know, like waitress with the husband who forced her to work and maybe is is exploiting her?、Mm. It's quite like I mean, the husbands don't really get much say in it. Really, they're not important. Yeah, they're not important. But you know, he's he's supportive of her. He's actually really nice. He's the one that's there for her when she's struggling.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we meet、uh, Judy. Who is brand new? I, every time we say Judy, I do want to be like, "I'm Judy, Judy Denmark." But yeah, and Judy is young, married her high school sweetheart, and is now single and has、mm-hmm. no idea what she's doing because she just thought she was always going to be a housewife. Housewife, yeah. But instead, her high school sweetheart ran off with his secretary, and she has a line where she says, "How do you get left for a younger woman when you're only twenty-one?" Yeah. Which is very very sad. A creep is the answer. <laughs> But it's all done against the backdrop of nine to five, which、mm-hmm. is really really good. I think the set pieces, the choreography are fantastic, and then you create the set of this office. Yes. Which is consolidated industries.、Mm-hmm. I think it's a really nice way to open up. It's the song everyone wants. You know, this is this is the song you've built this show around. Yeah, it's interesting that we'd start with it. You know, there's a lot of songs we've talked about when we get to the titular song. That's well into Act One, or is maybe the end of Act One song.、Mm. You know, yeah, it, it's very rare that we start with the big song. I quite liked it. I, I guess with Phantom, we start with the Phantom Overture, but we don't get the Phantom of the Opera until about halfway through Act One. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think what happens, and I'm, I'm trying to think of other ones that we've seen. See if there's like an exception to the rule or or anything. Half a sixpence is the opening song of Half a Sixpence. I felt, felt like there were more songs before. It is in the stage in show. The, in the, yeah, and I'm thinking that's because I've only seen the film. Maybe anything goes is the end of Act One.、Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, it's nice that we started straight away with this big one. I mean, this is the thing. I joked about it in the the, the preamble. But a lot of these songs is just Dolly making new lyrics to the nine to five song, and she's just like, "I'm gonna give some exposition, tell you what is happening now," and it's all done to the, the sound beat. Sound of Music is the opening song of the Sound of Music. It's, yeah, very true. I literally googled top musicals of all time because I want to prove that this is a thing. Yeah, My Fair Lady doesn't have a song called My Fair Lady in it.、Yep. Grease is the opening song to Grease. The movie, yes. Yes. Uh, singing in the rain is and isn't the opening song. Yeah, because we because get a little bit of sing like singing in the rain. Yeah, then.、Uh, Mamma Mia is not the opening song. No, but it's very.、Early. It is very early on. It is. Dream Girls is not the opening song of Dream Girls. Chicago doesn't have a song called Chicago. No, Beauty and the Beast is not the opening song of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah.、Uh, Little Shop of Horrors is 
the opening, the opening song. <laughs> yeah, this is like Wizard this of is Oz. A fun game. Wizard of Oz is is later on. Yeah, that's true. Rent is the opening song. Is no, it isn't. No, it's Seasons it of Love, it's isn't it? Of so yeah, it happens. Into the Woods is the opening song of Into the Woods. Yeah, it happens. It doesn't always happen, but it's nice when you see it happening. You know, like I like this game. <laughs> maybe we'll do a quiz. Yeah, maybe. And you'll have to test me and be like opening songs of musicals. Yeah, just call it opening up. Yeah. I think yeah, this, this this sets the world really well. Some brilliant choreography. One of the guys I was most drawn to, I thought he just had a really brilliant demeanor, was Alexander Bartles in the ensemble. You know, had the nice pink, he had a pink shirt on. Yeah. yeah, I just really liked his energy. Mm-hmm. You know, his character very much. It wasn't like stealing focus like Jeff Blim, but certainly caught my eye quite a bit. Yeah, did a good job of having. And I think this goes for all of the ensemble in this. They all have very distinct characters within the world of this office. Like you can tell there's one of the women, and I actually have no idea which actor it was, but one of the women in the office has blonde hair. Yeah. She is the one who has a child. Yes, and is struggling to be a a, a working, working mum. She's not allowed to keep a picture of her kid on her desk, which yes. is insane. Yeah, because we, we learn all these very weird rules, don't we, as well? So... You know, we, we cut now and everything's working. And you get a sense of all these different workers. You've got Marty, who's an alcoholic. Is it Marty or is it Margaret? Maria. Maria, how do you solve a problem like Maria? You send her to rehab, apparently. But you've yeah, you've got... Uh, I can't remember her name. I think it is Maria. The drunk one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you get a sense of some of these these other characters, which is really really fun. Yeah, we have the post boy, who interacts with just about everybody, which is pretty cool. Kathy, that's her name, the blonde one who has a child. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the you you get and and then they're just they're also part of this ensemble, this workforce, mm-hmm. but you get the sense that they are really well-oiled machine, but at the detriment of like personal lives. Yeah. So we have this really great opening scene where we now see Judy and Violet get introduced to each other mm-hmm. and Violet sets her about working, but Judy's like, I have no experience, I, have no experience. I lied. I completely lied on my resume. And you really see that Judy just knows what she's doing. And you, you especially with the choreography of around here where everything is so like precise mm-hmm. it is like they're passing memos up they're moving things around it literally is everything is so choreographed and rehearsed one of my favorite parts office. of this song is at the end you've got judy and violet standing at the front everybody else in a circle around the rest of the stage and they pass files that get all the way around to the front to judy yeah except for at one point they got stuck and because Somebody was trying to hand it off, but there was also one being handed to her and she ended up with like three in her hand yeah. trying to pass it to the next person before it got to the front. Yeah. It was very funny. But it is. I and love I, stuff like that. I, I like this and it establishes instantly this dynamic that Violet could be quite an unlikable character. Mm. And considering she's supposed to be our insert character or one of the three insert characters, I'd say. Yeah. And she can, she, she could come across quite unlikable because... She's gruff, she's disillusioned with work. Like people will know that person who doesn't pull their weight at work anymore because they've always wanted that big promotion. They're starting to get their hopes dashed. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're not as effective as they could be because they've given up. Violet hasn't given up, but she still has this demeanor sometimes that she comes across uninterested. 
Yeah. And she's really sweet with Judy, and I really like it. We also meet Roz here. You know, Roz being this kind of kill you with sweetness character with a, here's my memo, and you just instantly tell that there's something unlikable about her, or at least because we see the world through Violet's perspective, we know that Roz isn't a character to like or trust. Yeah. Which is nice. You know, really good job at telling the story here without making it explicitly clear. Mm. I enjoyed Around Here. I thought it was a really nice song, you know, that gives you that pointers. There's that nice bit where Judy says... And you get, again, this brilliant response from Alexander Bartles, where she says, I miss Dick. And he just looks... Oh, Everybody like, behind uh, her is like... But he's really... Like, oh, not like that. He's really flabbergasted by it. And it's mm. like, she's like, that's my ex-husband. They make the joke of her with the hat as well, don't they? The fact that she's got a big hat. Small things like that, you know, at the start that make you think, oh, they're not nice people. But then you realise it's just, they probably had hundreds of Judy's come through and not last a day or two because they know what Franklin Hart's like. So they make fun. It's almost like you don't get attached because if you get attached, you're going to get upset because they won't last. Mm -hmm. So she says, let's go up and meet the boss. And we go upstairs and we meet Franklin Hart, who is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Everything I thought about the character. Yeah, you were right. I was, yeah. And, and I, I tell you what, Sean Needham nails this role. And you can see why he's had success with these sorts of roles before, which is, I hope, not a commentary on him. But they are like, when they're clearly the bad guy, yeah. over the top, campy, and fun roles to play because you can play it up to the audience more so than if you're like a sympathetic villain or a villain like Jenna's husband in Waitress where you're like, okay, what he's doing is fundamentally the same as what Franklin Hart does, but we hate him for it. Whereas Franklin Hart could be funny because he's playing it up to the audience. Oh yeah, this is it. Jenna's husband, don't get me wrong, has some funny, and we'll talk about this with Waitress in a few weeks, has some funny moments, Mm. but the character isn't supposed to be laughed at consistently. It's almost like he lulls you into this full sense because he's gaslighting her, which isn't what Franklin Hart's doing. He is kind of gaslighting, actually, because... What's his wife? Well, no, Violet. He's like, yeah, no, you keep going along and you might get this promotion. He's got no intention of giving her this promotion. Yeah, but she knows that, but she's not thinking it's him that she's going to get the promotion from. She thinks it's the CEO. So what we learn here is that he desires Dorley more than anything else and he's very very obvious about this you know he won't hide what he's doing and I think again I was spot on the Dolly Parton character Dorley is kind of this object of affection for the boss Mm -hmm. you know and he doesn't see her as a skilled worker or anything she's just there to look nice and we've already been told by Violet um in that she told Judy we don't like her. Yeah, we don't. About Doralee. You yeah. don't hang out with her. You don't talk to her. And we'll learn why very, very soon. Mm-hmm. I like this bit. So she goes up, gives him a scarf that is, you know, one of uh, Judy's. It was a gift from her ex-husband. So Fight's <laughs> like, well, I'll keep it then. She gives it for Franklin Hart to give to his wife as a present. As soon as they leave, he calls in Doralee. Yep. He gives her a present and she's like, oh, thank you. It's just my colour. Yeah. yeah. Not really impressed. You get the sense that she she's she's not impressed. She doesn't have the time for him, but she's just 
like gritting her teeth through it in the hopes that she'll be able to pursue her dream of being a country singer. Mm-hmm. And then you have this thing where she's writing down notes for him and you've got this really nice internal voice versus external voice. Mm-hmm. And that's done. And I'll tell you this, Doralee, which is Stephanie Chandis, does an amazing job holding these still images. Like, especially the one where she's at the top where of the ladder. Where she's, like, on the ladder and reaching not up, but across. Yes, and she holds it so brilliantly. Yeah. And you get his internal voice where mm-hmm. he's lusting over her with uh, Here For You. That he's talking about what he wants to do to her and it's really gross. We get the chair, the first time that the chair does the thing. So he has his big office chair, but it flats all the way back. Yeah, so he can have a sneaky peek. Yeah. Which is disgusting. Which is disgusting, but it is kind of the first time that the chair does that and then that becomes a kind of recurring joke as we go through one of the things elena had told me and we'll talk about elena's comments in a bit and but she shared the clip with me was a moment where it went wrong and it malfunctioned earlier yes with megan hilty and that was quite funny to watch because like the actor really didn't know what to do either and you can see then how they try and recover and keep things going but you can imagine because he's like i told you to get this to down chair fixed and they're just like oh yeah okay but you can imagine how embarrassed he'd be like she now knows like he's got this secret trick with his chair as well Mm -hmm. but the song's really good you know it's a really good like villain song but i also said to you it's an i want song which is so weird and it's placed like an i want song which is weird as well what's weird though is i want songs never really come from the villains no i mean you have mother knows best but you do have some good villain i want songs you know like um open door yeah, I was going to say Hellfire. It's like a really good I Want song for Frollo. But it's not placed like an I Want no, song. No, it isn't, but it is. But like, I'm talking about ones that are placed as I Want songs. So okay. like, Entangled, Mother Knows Best is like the third song. That's yeah. roughly where I Want songs normally fall. Love is an Open Door is an I Want song because it's sung by Anna and Hans and they're both singing their own I Want songs together. But obviously they want different things. Yes. And then this, which <laughs> is so weird. I really liked it and I think I think Sean Needham does a brilliant job with this role because he does play out for laughs and you dislike the character, but you're laughing at him as opposed to with him, mm-hmm. I think. Don't get me wrong, there's some things he says and you laugh and you're like, oh man, I shouldn't laugh at this, that's wrong. But maybe you're laughing as well because you, unf- you know, unfortunately know people like this, you know, or you've encountered people like this in your life and you're like, yeah, they've got this spot on and he's gross. Yeah. And it, I think that's why you're laughing because you know he's going to see his downfall. Yeah, because from this point on, we're like, oh, this guy's a creep. We hope something bad happens to him. Yes. We then see that Judy's having an awful first day with the photocopier. We've all been there. It's a Xerox machine. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Xerox is a brand, I would say. It's basically like a a form of photocopy. It's like in Friends, you have the Xerox girl, don't you? That Ross, you know, cheats with or doesn't cheat with, depending on your definition of we were on a break. It genuinely it's just printer it's a brand of printer yeah, it's a, yeah i didn't a, know that yeah it's a brand of printer so you go to the xerox place because it's it's like overheat it's a photocopier yeah, yeah. okay cool, cool. <laughs> and she's basically threatened by franklin hart he's like you don't get this sorted you won't have a job and she's like he's so mean oh uh, yeah because violet says to her look you know you're a big girl put your knickers up you won't cry and she's like repeat after me you won't cry i won't cry yeah it's cute yeah and then we go home and we see all all of these women about how difficult their days have been how much they hate work 
I think, you know, each of them very valid. What's nice here is that you do have Dorothy's husband again comforting her. And she's like, I don't get why these girls don't like me. And, you know, he's just like, maybe they're just jealous of you, you mm. know, because you're country strong. It's a nice song. Um, I like I Just Might. Yeah, nobody enjoys coming to work here. Yeah. And you know why, you know, at the root of it, there's definitely management problems. Mm. Like that is, that's the problem, pure and simple. Obviously, I, I've not quite got a handle on Roz, but I sense that she's not trustworthy. Mm. You don't know at this point fully what her motives are. She's just like a real job's worth. Yeah, we learn in around here that if you want to gossip in the ladies' room, you need to check under the stalls first in case Roz is in there. Yes, but and we have the really funny line where she has a memo for Violet and Violet's like, oh, thanks. I know just where to stick it, Yeah, which is great. Her and her memos. Again, do you know what I really like about this? Everyone knows these kind of tropes. Everyone works with a character. You know how like people can say, which sort of friend are you? And everyone's like, everyone knows a Ross. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows a Ros. Yeah, everybody works with a person like that. And they all suck. <laughs> So we go to a new, brand new day and we go basically to lunchtime. And this is where Dorley and Judy speak for the first time. Mm-hmm. Poor Dorley has kind of followed her husband's advice at going and asking people. And she said to all the women, do you want to go to lunch with me? And everyone ignores her. And she goes to Judy and Judy's like, oh, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really supposed to. And Dorley says, I know the others have probably told you not to speak to me, but I'm not bad. And I don't know why you don't like me, why you're not willing to give me a chance. Yeah, and so what she thinks the problem is, is that everybody thinks she's not classy, basically. And that they're, like, classier than her. They think she's a hick. But, obviously, we learn later that that's not why. No, we get backwards Barbie and she's reflecting on, like, is it because of the way I'm, I'm, I present myself? Mm-hmm. That, you know, this isn't, you know, necessarily who I am, but it's war paint. Yeah, she says it's a country girl's version of glam. Yeah. It's what she wanted to look like when she grew up when she was a kid. Yeah. Because that's what her Barbie doll dressed like. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with it, but she thinks, you know, the other women judge her. They, You know, I guess this is very introspective for Dolly Parton. I wonder how many people have ever looked down on her or judged her and just seen her as... I I, I feel like... But do you know I, why Dolly Parton dresses the way that she does? Why? She's, she told it in an interview before. She said that when she was a little girl, there was this woman that lived in her town who dressed the way that Dolly Parton dresses yeah. now. And everybody said that she was a... Uh, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of a word that is the same that I can say on here. Uh, a fleazy, I suppose. Yeah, I'd say fleazy. Dolly thought she was the most beautiful person she'd ever seen. And said she wanted to be just like her when she grew up. And uh, like people around her were like, no, honey, that's not something to aspire to. And she, was, she just didn't care. She thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And that she, that's exactly what she wanted to be like when she grew up. Yeah. You know what the lowest pair of heels she wears is? What? Four inches. <laughs> Jeez. Those are her flats. <laughs> I love well, it. this is the thing, though, as well. But like I say, I do think Dolly's kind of had to deal with the idea that she is just a pair of boobs yeah i imagine so you know she she's obviously so much more and you can see that you know in the way she approaches helping others Mm. you know she's got really great business brain you know she's fantastic i think yeah and yeah i think what's really good is we know that this is that kind of dolly character and 
we're on her side because we're going here as fans of Dolly Parton. So we never doubt her motives. We just feel bad for her. Mm -hmm. We don't need to know the specifics at this point. It's interesting that it doesn't make me dislike the other girls at this point. Again, you can understand. And for me right now, I'm thinking of it as, well, she is Franklin Hart's assistant. Mm. You don't trust her because she'll sew you down the river. Yeah. We know she won't, but you could understand that idea of don't get too close to the boss's assistant. Mm-hmm. I like this song. I think it's really good. And, you know, I feel bad. You know, Dorothy obviously wants to go for lunch with Judy, but then Violet comes and is like, come on, Dorothy. Oh, yeah, we've got reservations for two. Yeah. Yeah. Violet then learns, unfortunately, she's passed over for another promotion. And you sense that frustration. You know, she's done her job. She's done everything that was asked of her. She's gone above and beyond. And she's passed over for somebody she trained mm-hmm. which is tough you know when like that whole student becomes the master thing especially if you don't necessarily sense that they are worth their weight in gold because it seems like here all this 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 new hire or this new promotion does is laugh at franklin's sexist jokes yeah we never see him as a capable worker we never see him do anything other than just like nodding and being a yes man he's just sort of here yeah, yeah. So you can you really get frustrated for Violet when she's like passed over for this guy, mm-hmm. and yeah, this then leads to like a shouting match in the in Hart's office, yeah, in Hart's office, yeah. And this is where we learn. This is where Doralee learns that everybody thinks that she's been having an affair with Hart. Because Violet's saying, like, I do all the work around here. You do nothing. You just make me buy presents for your wife and your mistress. And Dorothy's like, hold on. <laughs> what? And then when Violet says, oh, yeah, you know, we all know that you've been sleeping with him. And she's like, who's been telling you that? And she's like, Hart has. And Dorothy's like, oh, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we've forgotten another point from, like, the very first scene mm. is we see Franklin Hart's wife. She comes in. Yeah. And uh, she says, oh, it's a really nice scarf. Where did you get it from? And at this point, again, oh, adding to the rumours. You think Dorothy would be like, oh, uh, you know, lying about it. But she says straight up, she's like, oh, your husband gave it to me. But this is when Violet is in there as well. Mm-hmm. Violet sees her. So Violet, of course, knows that this gift for his... For his wife. Is for his mistress. For his yeah. But, you know, again, we know that Dorothy is an honest person. She says, oh, yeah, he gave it. And the wife goes, oh, isn't he so nice doing that for the, the so women who work for him? His hardworking women, yeah. You know, and then she's off on a cruise, which explains her absence for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know, Hart doesn't want to go on a cruise, so he stays... He doesn't seem to particularly like his wife. I love the picture of him in his office and the way he'll, like, pose next to it is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, they all have a really bad day. And this is when we also get this scene with, I think it was, it was, it was at the start of this day. Violet's son is like, go on, take, take this special cigarette with you. You know, take Sir Mary Jane with you to work. And, you know, she's like, okay, I will. Mm-hmm. And then they all go up onto the roof for a smoke and they bond. 
and they're smoking away and they're talking about how miserable they are. You've got Judy being so high that she's like, I saw this picture and this picture was this picture about a picture that I saw this picture of being a picture that I killed the boss. Yeah. You know, but it's all really, really, really silly. I I do think the scene goes on a little too long at times, you know, because it's very much just like, look at how strange these characters are and the humour that comes from that we are also introduced to Doralee's gun. <laughs> yep, Doralee. Doralee's got a gun. Doralee carries a gun around in her bag to protect herself. Fair enough. From specifically men like Hart, but she threatened him before and said that she turned him from a rooster into a hen. Yeah. Um, and when they're all laughing about it and they're like, do, do you actually carry a gun in your purse? She's like, yeah, I've got it right here. And she shoots it into the yeah. air. Yeah, and that was the time that you knew that the... The gunshot would happen, Gunshot yeah. was going. Because I had a nice warning. And actually, i tell you what, credit. There's too many shows that don't... We're, we're supposed to go... I, I say we. I'm going to go see Blood Brothers again. There's tomorrow. a reason why I'm not going to see Blood But Brothers. I'm going to go see Blood Brothers again. This time is, is for work as opposed to pleasure. I've made sure that I have set... There's noises, you know, at this point. And it's important. And if you don't know... I actually think theatres do have a, a, you know, in the same way as like they have to take strobe lighting yeah, and fog. That's completely understandable. But the loud noises is just as much a health risk. It's not even loud noises. It's sudden loud noises. Yeah. Like it's just. Yeah. And it did get, get me. It's, you know, it's relevant to the show, but sometimes it's not like you can turn the volume down on a show or no. a fake gunshot, you know? And this is the thing as well. And you, so, so new Victoria theater, they had a relaxed performance yes. um, of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And, and exactly like I said, where the lights weren't dimmed and where the sound was, t- you know, turned down. And that's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. How do you do that with theater like this? And I think you need to be far more upfront about it when you are, when you are selling tickets to this, you know, just walking into the theatre, that's great. Obviously, that's really, really positive, but it might be too late for people who have already got their tickets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm really pleased to see that. I knew there was something coming. The problem is I didn't know when. That's still part of the, part of the problem, you know? Yeah. But and do, do you signpost it at like 33 minutes and six seconds into the performance? There will be. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it, it is good that it was at least referenced. I knew there was going to be one. You were okay with it. You knew it was coming. I was a little bit taken aback, but you you warned me that it was coming, which was good. Yeah. But yes, we have this scene there on top of the roof. And I'll tell you what I, I really enjoy about this is, is also the digital backdrop. We know I love a digital backdrop, but it takes us up floors, down floors, whatever. And right now we're up in the sky. Mm-hmm. And there's a big... Um, billboard that has Franklin Hart on and they're all shouting abuse at him like you suck you're the you're the worst yeah and they go into a joint number which was Hey Boss yeah so this replaces four songs from the original show because we had the three women all sang their own individual songs about how they would kill him oh blimey that's that's overkill yeah so you had the dance of death which is where Judy like, sees herself as this femme fatale kind of character. Then yeah. you had Cowgirl's Revenge, which obviously is Doralee, like, hog-tying him, which she does, they make reference to. Yeah, she does. And then Violet as, like, a 
Snow White evil queen kind of character where she poisons him. See, that's weird. Because, yeah, it's like, interesting. Painting her as this her villain. was called Potion Notion. That's a great name for the song. Mm-hmm. Name I, of the band, Potion Notion. I, but I, yeah, and then um, in a minute, they were supposed to have a song called Joy to the Girls once they realised that um, he is not dead. It's, it's weird. It's, it plays out weirdly. So it's like they, they kind of come back to Earth that they've killed him and then they're like, oh no, oh no, what do we... And then it's like, oh no, fi- we're fine though. We're fine, yeah. See, this is the thing. I liked it as it was here. I, I think having four different songs that serve this purpose mm-hmm. is is excessive. I liked this. I think it works. Yeah, I like K-Boss. Hey, each think one it... of them has a chorus. They stand, they present their chorus to them and they kind of say, this is what I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was underdeveloped. I, yeah. I preferred it. It, like this hey boss but it does make me interested i would like to see just this scene yeah with these you know in that original format mm-hmm. i can imagine it's also very different looking at wikipedia it says that they were in violet's home i actually like it that they're on the roof that this is happening during their lunch break yeah you know? and they're doing it like on his on his turf they're just saying about how they want to kill him you know So then we have the next day at the office and, oh, so we've, we've had this, I completely forget about this character because he, he is so insignificant, which is interesting, but I guess he's Violet's love interest. We've had a moment in the canteen where she's talking with him and he's like, when will you, when will you let me take you out for a date? And she's like, you're too young for me. You are literally a child. His name is Josh. Yes. And he's played by Ricardo Spriggs. Really liked him. Mm-hmm. Interesting that a love interest character could be so insignificant, but then I guess he's like Sky in Mamma Mia, isn't he? That he just is there as a MacGuffin. You know, he has to be. Sky at least gets his own song. Sky does at least get his own song. He gets a song. He so does Josh. But Sky definitely exists. He has to be marrying Amanda Seyfried, or else none of the dads will come here in the first place. This is true. He has to be Whereas there. Josh doesn't have to be here. No, Josh doesn't. Ha- well, Josh does have to be here. They need an accountant on their side. Oh, that's true. So Josh does need to be here again to further the plot, but it's quite nice that this love interest character is so minimal. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, the next day, Josh is talking to Violet as she's packing away the shopping and is making a tea for the boss. Yeah, now, coffee. Coffee. What she doesn't realise, and what's really great, is you've got two prop boxes for the sugar One of and the rat is, poison. It's not sugar, it's sweetener. There we go. It's like sugar, it's called sugar and sweet, and it's exactly the same packaging as rat poison. Which and she is pours hilarious. the rat poison in, stirs it, and just doesn't even realise. And I thought, I was like, oh, is this still part of her fantasy? Mm. No, this is real. Mm-hmm. She gives him the drink. He takes one sip of it and is like, that is disgusting. But he, you know, swallows it and then puts it away. He's like, oh, she's... she's... She does, doesn't even know how to make me a decent cup of coffee after all these years. Yes. So Ross goes on at her about it. And Roz tells him off and then she looks, Roz goes to leave, but hides in a bush. Mm-hmm. And she realises when looking that, oh no, I've accidentally, oh no, I accidentally poisoned him. I joked about doing it, but I've actually done it now. And she she confides in uh, Judy and Dolly and they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? Listen, just don't tell anyone. We've got the rat poison, I'll go sort the rats out. Mm-hmm. And Roz is like, huh. And then in comes Franklin yeah. And she tells him, she's in the bush, she's like, hey, hey, listen, Franklin. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's just like, he looks at her like, you are such a weirdo. 
she tells him and he's like oh cool we can have some fun with this let's make them think they really really hurt or injured me mm-hmm. and then i'll get them arrested because you know attempted murder yeah which is like oh you're you, you know fair enough right you could just get her arrested he does have every right to in his mind he genuinely thinks she's done this deliberately because going because Roz has basically said that she has. He doesn't yeah. know that it was an accident. So fair enough, he could do that. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure the police would look at it. They look at CCTV. They get witness statements. Be like, oh, it was just a mistake. Look, okay, fine. Yeah. What makes it really, really nasty is the fact he's okay, mm-hmm. but then is like, let's have some fun with this. Yeah. That's what makes it really, really unkind, and that's why you're like, oh, he sucks. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of one scene that I could do without. Is the hospital. Oh, well, we don't have the hospital scene yet, though. Oh, what's before that? We've got Heart to Heart. Oh, I love Heart to Heart. Heart to Heart is great. So at this point, we Heart learn... to Heart's great. I meant the hospital. I did not mean Heart That's to Heart. That's why I was thought. I was like, what? You'd get rid of Heart to Heart? No, I wouldn't. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have an issue with Heart to Heart. But it's such a fun sequence. Yeah. I, I'll, tell, right, I'll start by saying what my issue is. Is the fact that we're... You know, let you know that the audience kind of draw this laughter from laughing at this older woman lasting after a man lasting. who isn't interested in yeah. her. Yeah, and like his reactions of the. <clears throat> well, you this know. is the thing: the way that Hart is treated for lasting after Doralee, we are laughing at him because he's disgusting. Yeah, and then when you have Roz doing the same thing to Hart. She then is supposed to be sympathetic. Like, we're supposed to feel bad for her that she can't get with him because he's yeah. not interested in her. Whereas it should be the same. Like, but should... either way, it's a bit weird. But this is it. The audience, I think they had a good audience that they weren't laughing at Roz. Mm. And Julia Jane Nagel did a fantastic job. And she looked great. Yeah, like, this song's great. Where she takes her off her outfit and then she's in these, like, suspenders and her fancy lingerie. Yeah. It's really, really fun. And really, really good. Mm-hmm. But you could see, you 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 know, there's going to be some audience that are laughing at her because it's an you know, this this character who's this shrew character who's not an attractive character. Yeah, being like this, they're going to laugh at her, which is you know, is it, we, we we were good that we had a nice audience, and it's nice that you see her fantasy version of of heart. And there's some really lovely yeah, choreography, the, like, salsa dancer, and you get like the salsa backdrop as well. But I really like that when she gets changed and she runs off stage at the end when people come in to be like, oh no, what are we going to do? He's injured mm-hmm. or he's hurt. You then see her running back downstairs and her dress is the wrong way around and you see like... Oh, it's tucked up at the back. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun. But yes. Um, then we have the hospital scene. Mm-hmm. And I agree, the hospital scene just, go, just goes too long. Just it's just too long. I like it. It's this, basically the same as what happens in the movie, which yeah. is why it's here. But I think it goes on for a little bit too long. And But I do like at the end of this scene where uh, where Violet is pretending to be a doctor and she has a go at the, the police officer and is like, and you left this body here to be handled by anybody? How dare you? And, and she the, quits. The, yeah, the detective's like, oh, I'm really sorry. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. And she throws her lab cloak at him and is like, I'm leaving. And then Doralee says... Um, oh, I think it's Judy actually one of them's like her passion was healing healing was her life <laughs> the, 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 the thing is the final few moments of it are really good but the whole thing just goes on a little too long mm. you know in the same way that you know 
it just is such an obvious thing of like when Judy and Doralee leave her. Yeah. You're like, you know for why you shouldn't be leaving her in the state she's in. And it feels very out of character for Violet as well at this point Mm -hmm. to be so hysterical about this. Violet's always so calm and rational. Yeah. Which maybe is is, it's good that that happens because it makes you dislike Hart even more for breaking this woman. Mm Mm-hmm. But it does go on too long. I like the ending. I wish we had like a small bit there where it's very, very quick and she sneaks and then it's like, oh. And then the police like, what's going on? She goes, I don't know. And then you pull the sheet because she's suddenly composed. They then go back up to the office and they confront Hart and he's like, you tried to kill me. Mm-hmm. And... Doralee Hart ties in with a phone. Yes, yeah, that fight or flight instinct. It's like, we can either get arrested or we can do something about it. So she hogties him with the phone and goes off as like, oh God, what am I going to do? Because she like, she she's, she's, does she hold the gun at him as well? as like, you disgust me. You're a disgusting man. Don't you touch me. Don't you say anything or I will shoot you. Yeah. And then Judy and Violet take the gun off of her because they're like, mm, maybe don't shoot him. And then Violet takes Doralee away to compose herself and it's just Judy. And he's, been gagged as well at this point. And yeah, she just... put his handkerchief in his mouth. And like he's like, and she's like, I'm really sorry, I can't understand you with that in your mouth. And then takes Judy's it out. Great. But this is it. I was like, oh god, oh god, you've left your weakest person in there with him. Nah, she's not weak. Well, at this point, she's she's certainly not the strongest. She's the most likely to to crack under the pressure, you know. Yeah. And you know, he. She unties it and he goes to pick up the phone and it's like, oh, this phone doesn't work still because it's been unplugged. Mm-hmm. And then this is when she gets the gun and she threatens him. And is like, right, come on. We're going. We're going to take you somewhere else. Is this where we get shine like the sun? As they're, they're taking him down through the office. Yeah, Doralee flirts with the... Uh, the- doorman i guess or the security guard yeah, just to, keep to distract just, him you've got the nice moment where you've got the cleaners who are listening to music and you know and him, he's behind yeah. and then just as they're about to turn judy takes over you've got these nice moments where each of our you know leads takes a moment to sing the song and they all get them him out of the office they take him to his home yes and they take him into his bedroom because they're just like okay guess we'll lock him in here and there's a a switch a switch on the bed and she presses the switch and the wardrobe behind the bed opens and it's all his BDSM gear. Yep. This show is not for kids. Nope. There were kids in the audience when we went to see this. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, they looked like they were teenagers. Judy But at the same understand. time, if you didn't know that that mm. was going to happen in this show and you had, you're like, this girl was like 13. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's possibly an awkward conversation. So this is it. Some of my, some of my year 10s. They told me how they're seeing waitress oh. with their parents. Oh. <laughs> with their parents, okay, fine. Well, so seeing waitress with their parents, or like with one of them, I think is like going with their mum and their nan. And I was like, You're have, have fun during bad idea. Yeah, and it was just like, but again, you know, it's one of those things that I, I think we've all been there. Like me as a kid, when I was like ten or twelve, watching Titanic with my mum, and I'm like, where do I put my eyes at this scene? You know, like. I watched Requiem for a Dream with my mum. I haven't you know? seen that. Yeah. And anyone who's who knows Requiem for a Dream will know why that's quite awkward. Um, yeah. I can't think of anything like that from my childhood. No. 
I, I mean, then I don't really remember anything. So you know. Yeah, it, it's one of those. It is one of those awkward things. Like everyone can kind of understand it, but mm. doesn't mean censorship should happen. I think it's right for this story. He would have this sort of stuff, like a hundred percent. They march him off. I like that Judy doesn't know what all this stuff is. They march him off as with, as Judy sings her verse, I think, of mm. uh, Shine Like the Sun. And he comes out in the BDSM gear. The chandelier is dropped. Did we get a little phantom note during the chandelier dropping? Yeah, it was the da 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 da. Which is hilarious as the chandelier comes down. They unhook it and they leave and they strap him to it. Mm-hmm. And then he rises. Yep. And that's the end of Act One. Yes. But um, what is so funny here is that, you know, we give everyone applause, lights go out, the big nine to five logos come down, and he's just there, hanging, hanging around. He was shouting at us, like, if you take pictures, I'll kill you. Yeah. Like, it was really funny. Yeah, this is the bit you told me, and I'm really glad it didn't disappoint. I'm glad, you know, I'd forgotten. I knew enough, but was like, oh my God. And it's the slowest safety curtain drop I've ever, ever seen. And, and going, he keeps looking down into the wings, being like, get me down. This like, is it. It was really nice, like, breaking the fourth wall humour. It was like he was a character. This, Like, he was an actor being the character, mm-hmm. aware that there's an audience watching. He's like, you take a photo. But he was still being Franklin Hart Jr. Yeah. And he, he I tell you what, it's funny, considering he's the villain, one of the loudest cheers of the night, mm-hmm. one of the biggest applauses at this moment. And I think it's just because it's, it is unlike <laughs> anything you've seen before. But it's like a fun kind of villain punishment. It is. Where you're like, oh no, you're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck it to is. You. And it, it is just fun and it's different. It's not something you'd have seen before. Mm. So the safety curtain goes down. We have a great time at the interval. Yep. As we always do. <laughs> I will say at this point, when we saw this, yeah, there was a woman two rows in front of us who filmed the majority of Act One. Yeah, and I was so wound up by it, but I didn't say anything. I probably should have said something, but I hate confrontation. And I, I can't actually deal with think stuff like towards that. the end of Act Two, when she was doing it again, yeah, the usher told her to stop. No, it wasn't an usher. There was a person in the audience who reached for and was like, "Can you stop that, please? I don't want to see your phone." Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like, and I'm not saying there's a good way to film when you're in a theatre, but this woman was in row like D of the yeah. stalls, and like the or the actors can definitely see you, yeah. but also like she, it's not like she was holding it in front of her chest; it was, it was above up her head. above her head. I was like, we talked about this with our Frozen episode, and obviously there are some shows that invite you to do it. Yes, but this wasn't. Yeah, this isn't one of them. Like she this was taking is... pictures and filming during random scenes, and it's like every time a song started, she would take a picture and then yeah. she would start filming. And and this is the thing is I can completely understand it during like the encores where you've mm. got everyone sound like when we saw Waitress, you know, two years ago with Sarah Bareilles. At the end, yeah. they say and they had signs that say share your memories and promote it on on on, on the line. When we saw Frozen share it promote this this moment six they have this moment as well Mm. but anything otherwise is not okay and even then i don't know if i would film it i'd be very aware we had some lovely older ladies behind us who were having a great time and we had a great time yeah during the interview we don't normally complain about things like this no but it was just one of those maybe it's because we haven't seen anything live since sort of before christmas time now yeah but it's one of those things where I just think, I always just wonder how you can be so 
self-absorbed that you don't think about how that would affect people around you or the people directly behind you. Yeah, and this is it. I would. I felt bad doing the standing ovation. Yeah. Because the people behind me, I was very aware... Might not have been able to stand. Might not have been able to stand. Yeah. And might have missed things. And I perhaps I'm just, like, overly cautious with those sort of things. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just... I, I've seen a lot on Twitter as well, especially since like theatres began opening up good and proper. Yeah. Etiquette has gone down. And a lot, yeah. Again, maybe maybe theatres need to signpost this more so. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they need to signpost those rules a lot more clearly because, you know, I know that I'll be doing a school trip and I'll be telling my students, these are the rules. If you break mm-hmm. them, you won't be on future trips. Mm-hmm. But... I think the theatres just need to preempt it a little bit, unfortunately, because it's it's like you need to teach people how to behave again. People have completely forgotten. And this could be the first time for that woman who was doing that. This might be her first time in a theatre post-pandemic. Yeah. You know, for all we know. And it really is just a case of people have completely forgotten how to act. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But Act 2 starts and the curtain goes back up and he's still hanging around. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah. The, 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 obviously, he's been down during the interval. He's had a chance to rest. But the joke is great that he's still just there. And before anything starts, just big round of applause laughing because he's still up there. Mm-hmm. He just looks so bored. He looks like he's been there the whole time. And it's a great way to set the tone. Yes. But also, the opening of Act 2, we have Dolly back again. And she says that, it, like, in her little narration of the time between this, which I think is like a week or two weeks, she says that Roz can't find Mr. Hart anywhere. And you're like, oh no. But because of the way that it's staged, she has to actually duck under his feet to get yeah. to the front of the stage. It's really cute. But what's also really nice at this point is clearly, you know, our three protagonists are now dressed in more casual gear. Mm-hmm. You know, they've changed weight because they are now basically running consolidated. Yes. They're onto the guys, and it, it, it's really great because we know that Doralee can forge his signature. Yep. So she can sign all these memos and things that say, this has come from him, this has come from him. They're going to start changing the world for a better place. And they point out that basically Violet is the new operating officer, and we get this really nice fantasy song mm-hmm. about how she's in charge. One of the boys. This is what I think the gotta dance sequence of singing in the ring should be. Yeah. It's not overly long. It works. It, it's it, it's like, it, it, it's the closest comparable thing I have, but it doesn't go with the same length that it does in singing in the rain where you get like really indulgent dance moves. Mm-hmm. But like it's very clearly, because that, that song in that is very clearly his fantasy sequence. Yeah. But you don't know for sure. Whereas here, you know that this is a fantasy sequence. Like you've got this nice bit where she's at the urinals with all the other men and she's just like, it, it, you see that she's like in this man's world and she just does what she wants and she's she's up there. Yeah, there's been a lot of references previously to how the people who run this company is a boys club. Yes. Yeah. Rose starts to get nosy and really wants to know where Hart is. And now we need a reason to get rid of her, basically. Because she's asking too many questions and she will not let it go. Yeah. And Judy has heard of a friend of hers being sent on a month-long intensive language course. Yep. So that they can open a new uh, firm in a different country. And she's like, let's send Rose on a French course 
for a month and get rid of her that way. Yep. And of course they can sign it. Not, like not a problem. They they get it sorted. Roz sees it and she's heartbroken because it's like, but he needs me. And the, clearly he doesn't need you. As she, she sings five to nine. Yeah, she sings five to nine, the saddest hours of my life. I'm yeah, it's really away cute. from you. I don't know how I can but survive. This is the thing. Why is this framed like this is cute when she's perving on this guy? Like, oh, and but this is it, and it is obsessive because like she opens her briefcase and she's got pictures of him in there. Yeah, and, and then the back of her briefcase is just the same picture that he has in his office. And you'd said to me one of the things you were worried about. Or I, I said to you in the car on the way over to to the theatre was like, is there anything about this you always won't have aged well? And you were like, this is the one thing that I think isn't well done. And you you said to me is if it was a man doing this to a woman, we'd be a lot more uncomfortable. Yeah, if they were trying to make us sympathetic towards a male character who was essentially sexually harassing a female character that was younger than him. And stalking. And stalking and had a briefcase full of pictures of her that she didn't know was taken. We would be like, oh, this guy's disgusting. But for some reason, it's okay this way around. It's just a bit of a double standard in a show where the main villain is a pervert. Like, yeah. It is something that like, I like her having the five tonight. And it's almost like her life is so sad that he's the only thing she has. Yeah. You know, she doesn't have a husband. She's got a boss and mm-hmm. she's devoted. If we removed some of the more, like, don't, I love the heart to heart sequence. Mm-hmm. But some of the things here. Like, if we just had her just sad because, I, I'm, you know, you remove the, 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 the picture of him in the briefcase, it is just creepy. Yeah. And it is a little bit of a double standard that we'd be uncomfortable watching it if it was a man, but we're, we're not uncomfortable here. Yeah. But again, yeah, I really like the five to nine idea, you know, reworking it. And whereas everyone hates nine to five, poor Roz hates five to nine. Yeah. Meanwhile, speaking of heart. <laughs> He is still, He's still hanging around. Hanging around. And Doralee comes to give him food and he's like, no, let me out. Yep. And so she's just like, no, <laughs> see you later. Refuses to, if she's like, if you're not going to be polite, I'm not going to give you your food. So understandable. He will learn a lesson somehow. Mm-hmm. This is when we get always a woman. And I really like his choreography. So he's on the bed, like he's standing and he'll drop forward because he's got the harness. Yep. You know, it's it's a really fun little sequence. The choreography is fantastic. Whoever is working that harness is doing a really good job of making sure he's exactly in the right place because those kind of things are really hard. There's a bit where he sits, basically, and, like, crosses his legs like he sat on a chair. Mm. And I was yeah, like, oh, like if they pro- dropped you, like, an inch lower, you would have fallen backwards. But it's really <laughs> nice and balanced, and it's really fun to watch. Mm. We go back to the office... And people are starting to kind of be like, this is weird. Why are all these changes being made? And instead of the changes bringing everyone together, the changes of the people are like, we don't want change. Like, you know, why should we be happy at work? This, this is just a job. Yeah. So we get the song Change It, which basically is where we modernise the office space. We get your Memphis. And they start putting things together. <laughs> all the people. So like there's, was it... Uh, Who's the woman with the baby? Kathy. Kathy's not happy with the changes. It's like, yeah, but it's just the work. The devil you know. Yeah. 
you know, better, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. But they say, mm-hmm. well, how about you put this picture of your baby up? And they, that's it. And she's like, okay. Yeah, because they're offering child care now. Yes. And all these things do make the office space better. Mm-hmm. They look happier. They get like the nice little modern art sofa. Everything looks really nice. Like this is an office space I would like to work in. Yeah. Com- comparatively. Instead of the desks being singular, they start pushing together like cubicles. Your group desks. Yep. It's really, really nice. And this is when Joe comes over. It's really funny that in terms of Wikipedia, this we're this far into the show, mm-hmm. this is the first time Joe gets referenced. This is the first point that his character becomes important. Who's Joe? Exactly. He's the love interest. But we think he's Josh. He was called Josh in this, wasn't he? Yeah, he's called Josh in there. Yeah. But he's called Joe in this. So somebody... Yeah. There isn't a Joe. This is why you don't trust Wikipedia, because uh, anyone can edit it, and maybe the character's name is different. Or... Maybe it was Joe at some point. He's called Josh now. Yeah, the, was... There is a Joe. That's not who it was, though. Because I'm sure it was that guy. No, I think it was the first. I think it was Joe. You think it was Joe? I think okay. it's Joe. Maybe I was wrong. So who who did play the love interest? So it's Russell I, Dixon. So it's either Josh or Joe. Yeah. Uh, Russell Dixon. And not gonna lie. While this performer was really good, this character's not important. No. He's just here. But this is the first point that he is really important. That you need his character for the storytelling. He goes up to Violet and you can see that Violet is kind of still struggling like yeah she's changing things but there's still like this pressure and this pushback from people as well yeah and you know he he, he basically says at this point like, why just why don't you give me the time of day mm-hmm. because I'm into you and I think you're into me so, you know where they talk about you know her dead husband mm-hmm. and that it's time for move on like even her son has been like look I just want to see my mum get laid Josh is her son there we go. Enjoys the love interest. That's why I got confused. There you go. Why cool. would they do that? <laughs> Random boy with a J sounding name. Well, yeah. And then Joe gets this line early, really early on where he's flirting with her and he's like, oh, teenage boys love me. They love how I hit on their mums. Yeah. <laughs> like... There's some great moments from, from Joe Josh, you know, Josh yeah. Joe. Um, but I, you know, this bit, he's like, you know, come on, just, just let love grow. We get mm-hmm. that song, let love grow. And they're all very, very happy. Is this also the moment where he's like, but something's wrong. So tell me what's wrong. And she's like, she fills him in on everything. And he's like, oh, wow. I didn't actually expect you to tell me everything. And she's like, we just need to figure out. Cause he's they, like, that's not the answer I was expecting. But I they've also you were found, say you were sad about something. But they've also found the evidence that he's cooking the books. And he's embezzling funds. But it's not funds. enough evidence. Yes. Yeah. So because Joe is a accountant, he's going to help do some digging. Mm-hmm. Because they've also as well confronted Hart about this. He's like, you've got not enough proof. Yeah. And they'll still listen to me because I'm a man. So whatever. So they need this. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, Judy's night to look after Hart. And who comes knocking at the door? It's Dick. <laughs> her ex-husband shows up. We've seen him once before. This is after her bad first day with the Xerox machine. He's like, just sign, he sign my sign divorce, the divorce papers. papers yeah. He's gross. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
They've done a really good job addressing this actor to look gross. Yeah, he thinks he's all that and he's not. Yeah, he's proper like trust fund child, you know, Hart Jr. But he looks like gross. Yeah, but Hart doesn't actually have any money. He's married a debutante. Oh, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, Hart's lucky that he's got into this position. But Yeah, so Dick is like, please take me back. I was wrong this whole time. And Judy's like, oh, your girlfriend dumped you, didn't she? And then she goes back in because, you know, like, whatever. And also we can see the cross-cutting is that Hart is, like, trying to get out the, the things. But, yeah, and then he manages to get one hand out of the handcuffs and he's like, yes. And, and yeah. And so Dick pushes into the house and is like, what's going on? You never let me do you this. You never let me do any of that. And now you're into this? What? Take me back. I would be so happy One with One of you. my favourite things is that she mispronounces. M&Ms. Yeah, she's like, I, you know, I'm I into M&Ms. into M&Ms now. <laughs> but she, and this is a really nice moment for Judy, is she stands up and she's like, do you know what? I'm done with you. I don't want you. I, I finally realise there's more to my life than being a wife orders him to leave and we mm-hmm. get get out and stay out yeah i love this song it's really nice it's really really empowering song you told me it is on the do not sing list it's on the like more modern do not sing list just because it got more popular mm. recently in the same way as like um i can't remember never mind <laughs> still hurting no no never mind if it comes to me i'll say it so that's it. Feels like things are nice going well. But the next day, everything goes. It goes really quickly now, this ending. Like it just suddenly is. Yeah, somebody was like, we've got like 10 minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> we've got to start going. So Hart has Judy hostage and everyone's all like, oh, no, there's enough evidence about the creative accountant. They proved the embezzling. They've got all the proof of that. That's fine. But Hart's like, first of all, Hart has the gun. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Doralee takes it off of him because he doesn't even know how to hold it properly. Yes. But also he's like, there's no point in you even having this evidence because you've had me tied up in my house for a month. Yeah. Like. The only reason he's free is because his wife came home early as well. Yeah. And but he's still wearing his bondage gear with a trench coat over the Because he's gone straight to work. Mm-hmm. And just as things are about to go wrong and they're, they're like, look, we'll do whatever. We'll do whatever. Please just don't send us to jail. The CEO shows up. Yes, we have Mr. Tinsworthy. And he's like, oh, wow, I love all the changes around the office. The This office in particular has made a 10% increase in productivity because of all of the things that have happened around here. You know, and they, Hart's like, yes, it was all my idea. And yeah, and this is it. They talk about how it's casual Fridays now because what people are wearing. And like, he's obviously very casual on this Friday. He's like, on a Thursday? Like, oh, yeah, he's really ahead of the curve. Yeah, that's why things are going, you know. And, you know, you feel really bad because the women have made this change. But they're like, yeah, no, Hart has done all this. And just as Well, and then Violet's like, do you know what? I'm sick of this. It's not worth it. He didn't do any of it. We did all of it. He's been not here for a month. And he's embezzling funds. Yeah, here's the proof on it. And... Tinsworthy's like, wow, you're so great at your job. I'm going to send you to run the new South American branch... In Bolivia. And, and then Violet gets promoted. And But then Hart also gets the, like, credit for that too. He's like, wow, I would never have thought of having a female CEO. You're right. But then we have this character that we haven't spoken about yet, who's called Bob. Well, he's the one Bob who got the promotion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it comes out of nowhere because he's the one that Violet trained, who has been promoted and has been listening to all his sexist jokes and going with it. Yeah, and there's this joke at the end that I would love to rewrite because he says to 
part, he's like, oh, I've got a good one for you. What do you call a female CEO? And Hart's like, I give up. And he says, a CEO. And I was like, no, no, no. The punchline should be boss. Yeah. Like, what do you call a female CEO? Boss. Like, that's funny. Yeah. Um, And so this is it. It gets very, very confusing because Tinsworthy is very much like, you know, ah, great stuff, great stuff. Really, really well done. Mm -hmm. And then he, you know, this promotion is clearly a, a promotion, but a demotion at the same time they're just getting rid of him they're just getting rid of him but it's not it, it becomes clear like oh he knows all of this because he's had this corporate spy but i wish they just make it more clear that bob had been a spy. like have a moment bob was like you think you know like instead bob's one line being what do you call a female ceo a ceo mm-hmm. if we'd had more of a moment where he, he step out and goes how often I had to enjoy like can we make it more like, clear do you know how often I had to put up with your stupid jokes but all the while I was feeding it back to Mr. Chinsworthy and like, saying that you know the lifeblood of this this company is Violet that she trained me she cares about this she is the right person for this job oh you talk about your jokes I've got a joke for you I just mm. would like it to be a little bit clearer that what's gone on here that Tinsworthy is like completely aware yeah. of what's gone on Roz is not allowed to go to Bolivia with... Yeah, she comes back as well all of a sudden. She's finished the course quicker than a month because... She did in two weeks. So desperate to come back. Mm-hmm. And then we get the finale. Yeah, because she's she's just... She wants to go with him, but it's like, no, you're staying here. End of. We don't need you to go with him. It's fine. Yes. And then Dolly comes back down to deliver the epilogue. Mm-hmm. And we get the nine to five reprise. So I didn't... I. I think the way they phrase this, you mentioned it used to be worse, but it's obviously still not great. They talk about how Hart has been held captive. Yes, this used to be a lot worse than how it is phrased now. It's still not good. No. But basically, they're like, oh yeah, while he was... Managing Bolivia. Managing the company in Bolivia, (laughs) he was set upon by a group of warriors, they say in this version. And never heard from again. Originally, I believe they said a derogatory term for yeah. natives. Um, I don't know why you would just be like, you wouldn't just be like, oh, he disappeared into the Amazon and we never saw him again. And then we like, see him coming on with his ripped clothes and he just does Like that, that still would be funny yeah, because just... we're not saying that anyone attacked him. He's just an idiot who got lost. Yeah. And he just comes out to you and he's just like, tries to defend himself and just goes, oh, F off. Yeah. Which is great. You know, he's got his comeuppance. Uh, Roz is bi. Or well, we don't know specifically, do in we? In some yeah. way, yeah. Um, I, and, we know. love some forced representation. <laughs> I am going to call it that. Because this is some nonsense right, right here. This, this, it, this, I feel, is play for jokes. I think this would have been funnier if Roz had ended up with Dick. Because if she'd have been like, oh, she started online dating and she met this guy... And it, yeah. Dick basically is the same character as Hart. Yes. So have her go with him instead. Yeah. And have him dressed in one of Hart's suits. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, she replaced him with somebody similar. As opposed to replacing Hart with Hart's wife. Yeah. There was there was a lot of laughter. And it feels, again, is it how much of it is, is the audience laughing yeah. at lesbians on stage? Like, oh, she went, so she couldn't have heart, so she went for his wife? Like, mm, not about that. It's also quite predatory, isn't it? You can imagine that Ross has gone and actually, like, I don't know. It, it, I cannot imagine dating someone who was obsessed with my ex. Yeah. Can you? No. Like, um, 
Anyway, Violet and Joe are married for 30 years and live happy ever after. Yep. Dora Lee went to Nashville and became Dolly Parton. Yep. Successful country and western <laughs> singer. Yeah. And Judy became Judy stayed single and became a best-selling author of the book Life Without Dick. Yes. We love it. And yeah, everything's happy. And then we end with Dolly being like, hope you've had a great time. If you enjoyed the show, tell us about it. If you didn't, keep it secret. Yeah, don't, don't tell anyone. We don't need to hear about it if you didn't like it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It's a nicer way to end it. Mm-hmm. What is your best song in 9 to 5? And why is it 9 to 5? It's a really good question, but it's not 9 to 5. <laughs> oh, really? Is it not? No, it's around here. Yeah, that's a, it, I tell you what, that is a good opening number like that's not nine to five you know this is your first non-musical song when i worked or non you know brand new musical song you know Mm. i used to work as a lifeguard and to get to my lifeguard job i had to get a train two trains because i had to get on a train and change (laughs) two trains and then walk for like 10 minutes and my playlist i had like a get excited to go to work playlist because yeah. otherwise I was not going but that was on my playlist and also 9 to 5 was too but around here like that was like the first one on there so I would listen to that in the morning on my mm. way to work so it's a fond memory for me with that song I I really like Backwards Barbie Backwards Barbie's great Um, I really like Here For You because mm-hmm. I think it's smarmy and gross and I do really enjoy Heart to Heart. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favourite moments, you know, despite like the visual things, is I really like Roz doing five to nine and just taking that formula that we know and playing, the, you know, the reverse of the song for comedy. You know, that's quite fun. But I think my my best song, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with Heart to Heart. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. What's your skip song? Let Love Grow is my skip song. I don't think it's necessary. Because there's not been enough really to suggest. Considering I had no idea what song that was. Yeah. Until I've just had to look to see where that happens. Yeah. I agree. Or Always Woman. I, again, I like the visuals of it. Like the whole... Yeah, the way that it's played is really good. But I wouldn't listen to it. Yeah. On its own, you know? I maybe would listen to Let Love Grow, actually. I'm going to say Always a Woman. Fair enough. Mm. Which character would you want to play? You've got much more choice than me. <laughs> um, I want to play Doralee. I feel like she's the most fun. Yeah, I, I like... Because you get the... Her stuff where she's angry is really fun. And then you have her, like, when she's, like, threatening heart. She's not angry. She's just, like... Feisty, and I like that kind of character, and yeah. I think it would be fun. I never pick the like glam characters. Yeah, that's because I'm not like that. But I think it would be fun to play that kind of character. I I think for me it has to be Franklin. Mm-hmm. I I think he would be fun to play, just because you get to be so silly and you get that moment where you're like suspended and you're just like, yeah, you know. I th- I think he'd be a fun character to play. He's a villain who you you have i think for this you have to make him as slimy as possible yeah. you don't want to you don't want it to be a villain where people kind of understand where he comes from he's just funny but gross you know like there, there's nothing redeeming about him mm-hmm. so yeah i'd want to be franklin i think who's your mvp in this performance that we saw 
it's going to sound really bad, but I do think Sean Needham is my MVP for this. I think while his character is obviously slimy and disgusting and horrible, that must be so fun to play as a character. And you can tell he's having fun. You can tell he's having fun. You also get to interact with the audience a lot. Like that, all that stuff. Like there was the one bit where he was gagged yeah. just with the like handkerchief, yeah. I guess. And I don't know whether they cut the sound from his mic or it just wasn't reaching his mic, but there was a bit where he was like, oh, F off. Yeah. Because she's saying, oh, no, I can't understand you with the thing in your mouth. So, And he just threw his napkin, was like, whoa, whoa. Mm. And that's funny. Like, you get to do stuff like that and step outside of being the character and it is a little bit more panto-y. And I think that was really well done. To have both sides of it where you hate him and think he's yeah. funny is... See, I'm going to agree with you. He's my MVP. Mm. As great as our three protagonists are. They're all amazing. That's why I feel bad picking no, an MVP. But as great as they are... Yeah. For this show to work, you need to really, really despise... Heart. Heart. Yeah. And you want to see his downfall. And I think it's because Sean Needham does such a good job with it... Mm-hmm. That it's successful... If you had a weaker Franklin, the, the the whole thing is lost. Yeah, definitely. So that's why he's my MVP. Mm-hmm. Because I just think he does a lot very, very well. But it could go. I mean, it could have gone to any of the leads because they were all fantastic. Yeah. You know, I had a great time watching all of them. And just watching their, their dynamics grow, you know, I think they did a good job. Yeah, everyone was amazing in this. Over to Instagram, where 75% of people said yes, they were fans. 25% of people saying no, not fans. On Twitter, 26% of people said there's a musical. (laughs) Okay. Obviously, people very, very aware that 9 to 5 is a film, 9 to 5 is a song. 7% of people said no, it drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried to to theme of uh, it's enough to drive me crazy. You know, um, yeah. nobody said it was just okay. 67% of people said, yes, go Dolly. Mm-hmm. We heard from two of our favourite people, Jared Good and Elena. So Jared says, I saw the show in its initial Los Angeles production. The performers were phenomenal. OMG, Alison Janney, Megan Hilty, Stephanie J. Block. Come on, the best. There was a lot going on set-wise. So many set pieces on tracks and things rising and revolving. The technical aspect of the show was impressive, though maybe at times overshadowed the material. Mm -hmm. And it was clear the show would still take some work song-wise. But when work did get done, some songs were cut or changed for the Broadway production. And I understand it has gotten even more changes for the West End production. Uh, 9 to 5 is one of my favourite films. I'm not sure the first iteration of the stage musical quite got to the level the stage adaptation of that film should reach, but I'm hoping by now maybe it has. Yeah. I think that's some really, really good points. And I would agree, as much as I loved the stage and everything, sometimes maybe it's one of those that it's more style than substance. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about my thoughts in a moment, but I really, really agree with some of those points that Jared's made. Has the show differed since when you saw it at all? Or is it pretty much that's its final form? Um, I think it was pretty much the same so far as I remember. I'm not sure. My brain doesn't. Uh... <laughs> There's nothing like obvious. You're like, huh, this isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. We also heard from Elena. And Elena's got quite a personal history with this one. Because she's actually been in a production of it. Cool. 
Thoughts on 95. First of all, it's the quintessential Dolly Parton film. I'm a huge Dolly Parton fan. I've had season pass to her theme park since I was a few months old. I've seen almost all her movies. I even actually made a recording for her and burnt it onto a CD and put it directly into her mailbox at her house. That's how big a fan mm-hmm. of hers I am. Although I don't know if she's ever listened to it, but that would be okay. 95, I feel like it's such a classic. You can just watch it over and over again and never get tired of it, especially the female empowerment. And that's such a good concept for a movie at this time because it was really a time when women were coming into power and breaking a glass ceiling. And it's Dolly Parton in her first starring role. So she's just so perfect. You say you just realise she can do no wrong. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but she genuinely just is good at everything she does. And Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, you've got a comedy queen, then a queen of the silver screen. How do you top them? They just blend together so beautifully in the film. It's great chemistry and friendship, and it's just wonderful writing. I was in a show in 2014. I was Maria Delgado, Mm -hmm. which I think is the one who is... Is she the character that the drinks has to go to rehab? I have no idea anymore. (laughs) And I really enjoyed being in the show, and it's a little bit different to the film, but not in a huge way. Just subtle differences and more music involved because it's a musical. It really gave each character a chance to really have their moment and shine and really connect with who they were and who they grew to be in the process of the show. I actually got a call back for Doralee. I didn't get it, but I had to rehearse backwards Barbie. And obviously having a southern accent already, it wasn't really hard to do, but it's a lot of fun. It was re- cute. I think, yeah. I really loved being in that show. I love that it was, again, about female power and everyone in the cast. It was so much fun doing it. It really wasn't like, ugh, we've got to go to rehearsal. It felt like a family. It was a smaller cast and it's just a great time. Mm-hmm. A lot of the jokes actually have felt like some things that we'd probably say if we really were these people. My character's really sassy and basically calling things like they were saying it wasn't fair that females didn't get paid as much as the males and she didn't understand. But then I got fired for it, but got rehired when the women took over and it was just so much fun to play a character like that. I have watched the bootleg of the original Broadway company. We were asked to watch it in order to get the vibe for our characters, but I was going to watch it anyway. And I think it was so perfectly cast with Megan Hilty and Alison Janney and Stephanie J. Block. They had such great chemistry together, just like the film. There was actually a moment when we did the show and before the song around here, we had desks on wheels and literally before we went on, one of the guys was eating goldfish at my desk. Why at my desk? I don't know why they decided to do that. So I'm just sitting on stage and it's covered. My desk is covered with goldfish and I'm like, okay, sure. So I decided to keep it in character and just start eating goldfish. And after the number, I didn't know what else to do with them. I could just throw them away or something. I guess I had goldfish in 1979. What are goldfish? Oh, they're like a snack in America. Okay, that's why. It's They're like... I was, um, I honestly, when I was... Crisps, when, I guess. Yeah, I was you know, listening to Elena's points. I was like, he was eating a goldfish? I was like, that's, that's weird. But okay. Um... <laughs> One time Tinsworthy came into Consolidated, I had a phone, I turned to face him, and my phone cord ripped out. So I set it down very slowly and went, "Uh uh-oh, we got disconnected. I do wish that we were able to put our Mr. Hart into a harness with a garage door opening, but we didn't have the budget as a local theatre. The man playing him was so sweet, but it was great seeing him become the character and be this lying, egotistical, hypocritical bigot. Honestly, one day I would love to play Doralee. Who wouldn't want to be Dolly? I love the singing of Backwards Barbie, by the way. Uh, Elena gave me a little sound bit of her singing, and it was fantastic. So thank you, Elena. I would give this one 
three and a half stars, I think. Because I really enjoyed it. I think it was a lot of fun, but I think like the characters don't always get as much depth as I would want. You know, they're just kind of there. Mm-hmm. And and some of their growth just happens very, very quickly and we don't see it. It's very, very sudden. But I enjoyed it. I think there's a few few things that don't really work that we've talked about. But I enjoyed it and I certainly would want to see it again. Hmm. Uh, did you enjoy this, this production? Yeah, it? I had a really good time seeing this again. I remembered most of it, but there were a couple of like bits that I didn't remember but it was really good fun to see this again yeah 100% would see it again I think the plot is is really my my one kind of critique is that it just all happens so quickly at times next week is Valentine's Day yes indeed have you got a romantic musical in mind for us to watch or anything in particular I didn't know you were my Valentine oh charming (laughs) you haven't asked me I, I assume because we're actually going to be seeing Waitress on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. That was enough of an asking, you know, but okay. I that and believe... the fact we're engaged, yeah, kind of, know. I'd assume it goes without saying nowadays. Ask. Rude. So next week we will be watching uh, the 2021 Cinderella. Hold on a second. But we've talked about a 2021 Cinderella. Yes, we have. But specifically, we're going to be watching the Camilla Cabello, Adina Menzel, Mini Driver, Pierce Brosnan, Billy Porter, Cinderella. Oh, you're forgetting a very important figure. James Corden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he's not listed along the top stars on here. So, oh. But yes, we are, we're going to be watching the Amazon Prime Cinderella musical movie. Well, you know, I think that's appropriate. People say it's great. We'll have a great time. I, I think Cinderella's a romantic story. Mm-hmm. You know, what better story to, to, to deliver to you on Valentine's Day than a story of love. Absolutely. True love. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it would, it would be a true testament of my love for you that I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, Pierce Brosnan has been good in musicals. I famously love Adina Menzel. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this will be Okay. I'm excited to watch it. And then, yes, the week after that, we will be watching Waitress again. We're going to the new Victoria Theatre. Uh, we'll actually watch it the same <laughs> same day we release our episode on Cinderella. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to see Waitress again. And we'll also be very, very lucky that we're uh, touch wood. We're going to have an interview launching at some point next week with one of the performers from Waitress. Yeah. So I'm very, very excited to talk to them about a show we both love. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we'll be hitting episode 100. The poll has been up on uh, Twitter. It seems like an overwhelming amount of you currently want us to see The Wizard of Oz and watch The Wizard of Oz. As it currently looks. As yeah. it currently looks. Obviously, when this launches, we will still have a day or a few hours left of voting. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch The Greatest Showman, which seems to be our second place, you can still log on and vote. But currently it looks like our 100th episode will be, <laughs> we'll be off to see The Wizard, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And who knows what the horizon after that will be bringing. Yes, indeed. Very exciting. As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram, at It's a Musical Pod. Mm-hmm. And you can let us know your thoughts on 9to5, on 
Amazon Cinderella and on Waitress and get involved in our vote. If you like what we do, you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts. We are available on Google. We are on the Amazon Music app under the podcast sections of the library. We are on Stitcher. We are on Good Pods and we are on Podbean. Mm-hmm. And if you like what we do, you can go over to any of those, those platforms, leave us a five-star review or go to podchaser.com and let us know what you love about It's a Musical Podcast. Yes, indeed. But until next week, where we will see you for some light romance on the same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday. <laughs> <laughs>